Hi, this is Sarah. If you like this episode of Let's Talk About Sects, you can listen to my audiobook, Do As I Say, How Cults Control, Why We Join Them, and What They Teach Us About Bullying, Abuse, and Coercion. The audiobook will be available on Audible, Apple Books, Google, and Kobo from the 28th of June. A link is in the show notes. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we get started, I want to welcome Audio-Technica as presenting partner for this season of Let's Talk About Sects. I've been working with their equipment from the very beginning of the show, and like many podcasters, started with an AT2020 USB mic, which has served me very well. The kind folks at Audio-Technica have now upgraded me to a BP-40, which they tell me is also perfect for screaming into if you're in a heavy metal band. So if the show's sounding particularly awesome to you, that's why. If you're not a podcaster, they have some great options like noise-cancelling headphones for travel, some really cool wireless headphones, or if you love to listen to vinyl like I do, they've got very nice turntables as well. Find out more at audio-technica.com.au. Universal medicine teaches that entities known as the four lords of form rule over nine-foot-tall spirits that are all around us, and that most people have lived at least 2,300 lives before. Former student Matt Sutherland told Sunday Night journalist Matt Duran that he would describe Universal Medicine's founder Serge Benhayen as a human wrecking ball. Welcome to Let's Talk About Sects, a podcast about cults around the world. I'm your host, Sarah Steele. A quick note that going into my third year of creating this show, I'm starting to take advertising to help cover my time and so that I can pay to outsource some elements rather than do it all alone. If you can't stand any advertising, you can sign up at Patreon, where for a small monthly donation, you'll be able to access ad-free episodes and back catalogue. Before we continue, a content warning. This podcast deals with issues that some people may find disturbing, related to emotional abuse and controlling behaviours. This episode also includes references to sexual assault. Please use your discretion as to whether this will be suitable for you and those around you who may be listening too. Sergio Isaac Benhayen, better known as Serge, was born in Montevideo, Uruguay in 1964. Aside from a few bits on his own websites, it's quite difficult to find out much about his early life, 
and most of what I found can be credited to journalist David Lisa, who wrote up a detailed article for The Good Weekend in 2012 after meeting the man himself. Serge's father was in the clothing manufacturing business, and the family was well off financially. They moved to Australia when Serge was six, and he attended Maroubra Primary School, then went on to South Sydney High School. Then, from the Universal Medicine website, quote, His athletic prowess led to a career as a professional tennis coach. Serge met and married a woman named Deborah, who already had a daughter named Simone from a previous relationship, and Simone also took the Benhayan surname. Deborah and Serge had three more children together, two boys named Michael and Curtis and a girl named Natalie. Serge declared bankruptcy in 1995 over unpaid rent on a tennis centre he had leased in Sydney, and he remained bankrupt until 1998. The Benhayan family moved away from Sydney to northern New South Wales, where Serge continued to coach tennis. But in spite of his years enthusiastically teaching backhand returns to teenage girls, Serge Benhayan would one day end up claiming that women should stay away from sports entirely for the good of their fertility. Tennis was not in the future for Serge's, quote, remarkable life and works. That quote is from one of his organisation's websites. Before he put down his racket, however, Serge coached a 12-year-old girl named Miranda Smith when he was 31. By the age of 14, Miranda had moved in with Serge and his family. According to Miranda's mother, Trish Threlfall, who spoke with David Lisa, he said that he was going to get Miranda to Wimbledon, though Serge denies having said this. Trish was very upset about her daughter moving into the Benhayan household, but was unable to stop her from doing so. At the time of the 2012 article, Trish had only seen Miranda once in the previous 12 years, and her car got egged twice after speaking with the journalist. The Northern Rivers region of New South Wales is known for its stunning coastline and fertile countryside along the banks of its inland river systems. Rainforests and waterfalls provide beautiful natural surroundings and many residents in these areas move away from the big cities for a more relaxed life. Suburbs like Nimbin, Mwilumba, Mullumbimby and Byron Bay are popular for alternative lifestyle seekers and known for a hippie way of life. The area is also known to have some of the highest rates of unvaccinated children in Australia. One day, 20 years ago this year, after he had moved to Alstonville in the Northern Rivers region, Serge Benhayen experienced, according to his organisation's website, quote, a series of awakenings that rekindled the active union with his soul and the hierarchy. He's not ashamed to admit that the first of these occurred while he was sitting on the toilet. 1999 was the year that Serge founded Universal Medicine, also known as UM and Unimed. He was in his mid-30s. Universal Medicine describes itself as an esoteric healing clinic that offers a holistic approach to complementary medicine, assisting people to heal from emotional and physical pain. Serge claims to have pioneered no less than seven healing modalities for UM. One of those modalities is esoteric chakra puncture, and another is esoteric breast massage. More on that one shortly. 
students found their way to Serge's teachings through attending a session at the clinic, through word of mouth, and later through free seminars held at public libraries and alternative therapy conventions. One man said he first came across Unimed at Olivia Newton-John's Gaia retreat held in Byron Bay. The Unimed Living Site, one of many published under the UM banner, says that their Ageless Wisdom Teachings, or AWT, evolved from the Esoteric Developers Group, or EDG, and throughout the teachings, quote, A bank of experts give very real and practical presentations on a variety of subjects that relate to everyday life. These include science, medicine, healing, energy, education, linguistics, psychology, counselling, corporate work, and much more. End quote. Starting in a community hall in Bangalore, they then moved to Byron Bay Public Hall, next to Byron Bay Public School, and then to an even bigger venue at Lennox Head. Then, quote, by 2014, live and recorded events were available to 77 different group sites across 18 countries. Students could also attend retreats, of which I'm told there are three per year that cost $1,500 a head, and that's not including accommodation or food. Courses and retreats make around $2 million each year for UM. At current exchange rates, that's $1.35 million US. One of the most controversial aspects of UM teachings is their esoteric breast massage modality. From an archived version of the esoteric breast massage website, which is noted as for women by women, quote, the esoteric breast massage assists to heal many issues such as painful periods, polycystic ovaries, endometriosis, bloating slash water retention, and premenstrual and menopausal symptoms. It is not surprising to see the amazing results but most importantly, the deeply revealing discoveries that women are making about themselves through the release of what is insidiously held in their nurturing centres, their breasts. Also, the breasts are an area of a woman's body that is not fully comprehended for what it truly is. Of course, we know that the breasts are for feeding the developing young, but what is not known is that they emanate, if and only if they are clear, the light of nurturing. That's all in caps. If the light of nurturing is emanated, this natural and lost true way of being will be reinstated. This knowledge is in line with and equal in importance to the way the shoulders of a man can emanate the light of caring for another. The breasts cannot emanate the light of nurturing if the woman is not self-nurturing. Research officer for the UK charity Breakthrough Breast Cancer, Dr Matthew Lamb, told Private Eye magazine, quote, EBM is another addition to a long list of therapies that claim to treat or prevent a range of medical conditions with no scientific or clinical evidence. It is irresponsible, dangerous and misleading for anyone to promote the use of an untested medical intervention that could deter someone from receiving the treatment they need. The current page on esoteric breast massage on the Universal Medicine website is quite different from its earlier version. Quote, The esoteric breast massage, EBM, is non-diagnostic and does not claim to be a substitute for medical diagnosis, treatment for breast cancer, or any other medical treatment.
Universal medicine is not just about alternative medicine. Serge also brings religion and philosophy into his teachings, and as mentioned earlier, apparently science as well, though I'll let you be the judge of that. This is from his 2011 book, Esoteric Teachings and Revelations, A New Study for Mankind. Quote, Women have achieved equality in some measure by outmailing the man. Therefore, they too are in the excessiveness of male energy. This is why there are so many cases of ovarian cancer, fibroids, cysts, endometriosis, breast cancer, etc. And, quote, Lack of self-nurturing is now a significant global problem, and in particular for women, as it is the actual energetic cause of breast cancer and its ill rise in our societies everywhere. Now, this might sound like a lot of rubbish to a lot of people, but I think it's worth trying to understand why people turn to complementary medicines in the first place. Cancer is a scary diagnosis, and we don't have all the answers about where much of it is coming from. Modern mainstream medical treatments are still fairly blunt instruments in many cases. People with an advanced diagnosis, or who have a loved one with an advanced diagnosis, are willing to try anything to make it go away, or perhaps to bring themselves greater comfort when facing death. And many swear by the effects of some alternative therapies. I think it's a pretty understandable response to a situation that's very hard to accept. If you can find someone who seems to have those answers or can give you some hope or comfort, that can be very appealing. UM follower and Bangalore eye surgeon Dr Anne Malat told David Lisa that Serge, quote, understands that if Western medicine were the holy grail, we'd all be well and we're not. Another man told the journalist about his wife, who he says Serge informed had a break in her aura and an evil spirit residing in her liver and kidney. In fact, this woman had two brain tumours and died in the months following. Unimed materials also include ideas around people's illnesses being related to bad decisions in past lives. Ira McClure was referred to UM practitioners by her GP for treatments that included chakra puncture and lung massage, and she told journalist Jane Hansen for the Sunday Telegraph that her expenses totaled over $35,000, with half being out of pocket. A note in her records recommended the number one treatment option as being, quote, fly Mrs. McClure to Sirius, in brackets, star 6.2 light years away. A doctor later diagnosed Ira with bronchiectasis and prescribed her the drugs that successfully treated the condition. She told Jane Hansen, I feel really stupid now, but I was really sick at the time. From the Unimed Living site, quote, Serge is a man whose wisdom and understanding encompasses human existence in its entirety. The religious aspect of UM teachings is called the way of livingness, described as the true religion for mankind. It's all a little difficult to untangle, but involves ideas around reconnecting with the divine nature that is within us all, looking after one's body and mind first and foremost. In practice, this means going to bed at 9pm and waking up at 3am, not consuming any alcohol or coffee, and a low-carb, no-gluten diet that avoids carrots and potatoes. It might not surprise you to hear that Serge claims he only needs four or five hours of sleep a night. 
An ex-member I spoke to told me about how certain items of food go in and out of favour. At one time it was green apples that all the students were eating, and then they all stopped. The local supermarkets must be baffled. This definitely brought David Koresh and the Branch Davidians to mind, and the ways in which he changed what was okay to eat at any given time as a kind of control over his followers. Students are encouraged to listen to music created by UM practitioners and Benhagen family members, framed as being on a better energetic level. Serge's son Michael, whose middle name is Serge, has a biography on IMDb that says, quote, Michael Benhagen is an amazing self-taught musician producing music covering many genres and styles. Since beginning his official musical journey in 2009, Michael has already written and produced over 100 songs. Michael's extraordinary musical talents and deep connection to the music and instruments used bring music to life by giving each song its own unique story. One workshop attendee described UM's preferred music to David Lisa as essentially cheesy 90s bad romantic pop. So students' engagement with mainstream culture is often curtailed by the early bedtimes and changed listening habits. Eating out could also be a problem, and not just for the dietary restrictions, but because if the chef had watched pornography, for example, their bad energy was said to pass into any food that they prepared. Materials on UM websites look at the consumption of mainstream television shows and alcohol as being a distraction or diversion from engaging with one's true nature. Most devoted students are unlikely to own a TV or read any newspapers, I'm told. I've read experiences of devotees' partners not being allowed certain books in their homes as their energy is too heavy. Pictures of Leonardo da Vinci around students' homes and workplaces are also very common. Esoteric healing, or sacred esoteric healing, takes on some of the complementary medicine part of UM. This is where the modalities of chakra puncture and breast massage come in, and it's all part of the ageless wisdom, which includes knowledge of spirits that are all around us. That might make you think of Scientology, but these spirits are nine foot tall and ruled over by evil entities known as the Four Lords of Form. The term clear is also used a lot in UM, as students are cleared of negative energy through esoteric healing sessions. Prana is positioned as a low form of life force, where fire is the higher and more divine form one should be seeking, so excess prana needs to be shed. By the way, under the FAQ page of Unimed Living, there's a question, why are the words different on this site? and the answer leads through to the so-called Unimedpedia. For those well-versed in cult-like attributes, usage of in-group language is a common one. Prana should also be cleared with UM cards that have special symbols and are placed around the house, under the bed and guest bed, and also in the wallet to clear any money that comes in. Unimed devotees also wear a personal UM symbol around their neck. From Serge Benhayen's Esoteric Teachings and Revelations, a new study for mankind, again, quote, If a person uses any form of self-gain or self-identification, etc., there is prana in their expression and way of being. For all and any human being, prana is the most unevolving way of being we slash one can be. This simple teaching is the basis of understanding what life is all about. Notes from an esoteric development group meeting in 2008 that were published by Esther Rocket, more about her later, include, quote, The energy of charity is the same as the energy of a pedophilia, 
as it tries to use an innocent expression to disguise its ill pranic ways, trying to compensate for own guilt through the use of innocent energy, end quote. Or as it was explained to me by one ex-student, if you were contributing to a charity, this would be for recognition for yourself and therefore pranic. It might also be contributing to the income of someone who is full of prana rather than fire, and what good would that do the world? For someone so wary of self-gain or self-identification, Serge Benhayen's personal website is something to behold. So I've read a lot of websites of cult leaders in my time doing this podcast, and I'm not sure I've come across anything quite like Serge's before. There's a drop-down under the heading About Serge Benhayen, and the subpages are titled The Family Man, The Friend, The Practitioner, The Philosopher, The Teacher, and The Author. There's a testimonials page too, so not for testimonials about the teachings, but about Serge himself. The friend page contains no real examples of friendship and an intense focus on how great Serge is in every way. Quote, It is rare to have a presenter and practitioner in the public arena being loved and appreciated by his clients and the many students worldwide who attend the public teachings, presentations and events. Yet for Serge, this is his daily lived experience. Everything stems from and comes back to relationships. Serge deeply respects this principle and makes life always about people first. Look, I'd just say, if you have a little time to kill, go take a look at Serge's website and get back to me with your thoughts on what it seems like Serge makes life always about first. A lot of what I've read from the organisation is incredibly wordy. Here's an example from the College of Universal Medicine website... More about that one later. So instead of our objectives are, it says, the objects for which the company is established are two. Then instead of teach and promote, it says, teach, educate ongoingly and present for all men and women to have. And promote and advance education in the aforesaid by. And so it goes on. Here's a quote from Serge on the about page of the Universal Medicine site. And see if you can stay with me here. The real truth is the fact that we are deeply imprisoned and thus held by a veil of illusion we most erroneously give life and sustenance to. It is in essence a complete false from the point of view of the whole that is there waiting to be accessed. And so, yes, we live in a seeming whole true reality that is in truth a very, very small part truth. And as such, the part, as a whole we assume is the whole, that is, what we call and know is life, is a false in reality to what is truly taking place in a gigantic interdependent whole that is entirely and unchangeably all held and impulsed by a set of energetic truths. And, just as most will judge it as I once did, this is not a wild belief, a set of imagined ideals, and nor is it a dreamed or fabricated conspiracy theory. It is a known science, and hence, it is all based on energetic, irrefutable facts one that science will one day find and admit, as will all of humanity. We covered a little about esotericism in last season's episode about the Order of the Solar Temple and I came across a couple of things that Serge's teachings appear to have in common with the teachings of Luc Jure. 
If you recall, Luke's partner Joseph de Mambro would often speak alongside apparitions of ascended masters. Serge Benhayen, by contrast, claims to be an ascended master. Joseph de Mambro claimed to be the reincarnation of Akhenaten and Moses, amongst others. Serge Benhayen claims to be the reincarnation of Leonardo da Vinci, Imhotep, and Pythagoras, amongst others. And speaking of reincarnation, Level 1 of Serge's Sacred Esoteric Healing Course claims that children with autism and Down syndrome are the recipients of bad karma from abusing positions of power in past lives. The writer Alice Bailey, whose prayer The Great Invocation was recited at Order of the Solar Temple Ceremonies, is also mentioned in UM Materials, and an ex-member told me that she's another of Serge's past lives. Bailey comes up alongside Theosophical Society founder Helena Blavatsky, who was also mentioned in a recent episode of the podcast Behind the Bastards about Rudolf Steiner that's a really interesting listen if you need to fill in time before the next Let's Talk About Sects. Blavatsky and Bailey are two women instrumental in the so-called secret understanding of the ageless wisdom. These theosophists have at various times faced accusations of fraudulence and racism, and Blavatsky of being a charlatan. They are, however, considered by UM and many others as well, to be what is termed the spiritual hierarchy, or just the hierarchy. Again, this may all sound pretty outlandish at the outset, so let's have a look at some of the elements that draw students in. One thing to remember is that a lot of people coming across UM are very open-minded. They've often tried a lot of different approaches to figuring out the bigger questions about the meaning of life. So some of the stuff that strikes me as quite far-fetched is less likely to throw them off. I've heard that there are a number of UM students who were heavily into the secret, and many who came to surge from the Rajneesh movement. Here are a few things about UM that I can see the appeal of. I think it's great that Serge and Deborah maintain a strong relationship after their separation. I know this isn't always possible when relationships come to an end, and it's certainly not the case for all of mine, but society's attitude that an ex is the automatic enemy even after you've loved them dearly for years I find somewhat perplexing, and I've seen a real emphasis on that in various UM blogs, friendships that continue after romantic connections end. I think that UM's view on masculinity has some real appeal. There's not an expectation of blokes to be devoid of emotions and feelings, which can be a big problem for men in Australia. And quite a lot of what I've read about approaches to sexuality involve a good level of consent-seeking. I think for many women, this isn't something they can necessarily take for granted. The flip side of this is that ex-members I've spoken to and whose words I've read feel that there's a pretty big reason there are overwhelmingly more women than men in universal medicine and that that's because surge can exert a greater level of control over them. Not that they're comparable in lots of ways, but this does make me think of Nexium from the last episode of the show. There was a strong element there of drawing women in with ideas of female empowerment when the actuality of the setup was quite the opposite. Here's another quote from Serge's 2011 book, Esoteric Teachings and Revelations, A New Study for Mankind. Stillness is the energy that is honouring you as a woman. Become racy or driven and you have asked male energy to dominate your body. And there are many, many men who have claimed that UM has broken up their relationship and taken their wife or partner from them. I think that they would have a very different view of Unimed's take on masculinity and perhaps would frame it as keeping men from having a greater influence with their wives that could encourage them to think twice about the UM teachings. 
I'm told that relationship breakdowns were positioned internally as the usually male partner, being unable to accept the love that was on offer. But the type of love promoted by Serge might be difficult to receive. From his 2009 book, The Way It Is, a treatise on energetic truth, quote, Love is not emotional. It has an emanating presence that has not one ounce of emotion in it, but the emanating aspect of the joy and harmony that is God. As for Serge's own marriage, David Lisa reported that by 2002, Deborah and Serge had separated, though to this day Deborah still goes by the surname Ben Hayen, even though she is now remarried. I ordered a copy of their divorce certificate and was interested to find out that they weren't actually legally divorced until the 28th of August 2010. Deborah remains highly involved with Serge and an integral part of his various organisations. Sometime around 2010, Serge married Miranda the former tennis student who had moved in with the Benhayan family at the age of 14. Esther Rocket was a practising acupuncturist who lived in the Northern Rivers region. In 2005, she attended some sessions with Serge Benhayen. At her final session, he recommended an ovarian reading. Esther let him proceed and afterwards walked out of the session believing that Serge was a predator. She kept the organisation on her radar over the next few years and her fears only grew. Since then, she's been on a mission to expose universal medicine for its dangerous practices. In 2006, British Unimed devotee Simon Williams set up the Lighthouse Property Estates and bought property in Somerset the following year for £1.8 million. According to the Daily Mail, it's unclear whether the source of the funds was the Williams family or not. But they're a wealthy family, with Simon having attended Eton and his mother's Surrey house on the market for multiple millions after her death. In 2009, UM set up the Esoteric Practitioners Association, also known as the EPA, which is described on its website as the Internal Incorporated Accrediting Body for Practitioners of the Universal Medicine Therapies that lead with a standard of professionalism and integrity exemplary in the healthcare industry. So that is... Students paying to learn the UM modalities and becoming practitioners can then be accredited by paying membership to another organisation owned and run by Universal Medicine. I guess the EPA certificate looks good to the casual visitor wondering about a practitioner's qualifications. In case you're interested, Serge is an EPA-accredited Level 5 teacher. Serge's current Facebook cover image lists him as a director of the EPA, and on the EPA homepage, there's a quote attributed to his daughter Natalie Benhayen as another director, quote, The EPA is a body of expression that is there for the development of its members and its practitioners for the sole purpose of the development of all equally. The EPA is just one of many organisations set up by or affiliated with Universal Medicine. I won't bore you to tears by listing them all, but there's one called Esoteric Women's Health with a subsidiary called the Girl to Woman Project, 
which used to run an annual girl-to-woman festival until protesters frustrated most of its marketing efforts for the 2018 event. Nearly 1,500 signatures were gathered for a change.org petition directed at Ballina Council, asking to block usage of the Lennox Head Community Centre for the event. Now the festival website says, quote, The girl-to-woman organisation teams are initiating a new era for girl-to-woman from 2019 onwards, and this means for now a conclusion of our unique festival. Natalie Benhayen is heavily involved in girl-to-woman, and many mentions I've found about Serge's daughter involve her embrace of women's so-called sex-bomb power, which is an interesting juxtaposition with the words on the girl-to-woman about page. Quote, There are enormous social pressures in the face of a hypersexualized society that is telling girls that they need to be everything but themselves. While there are videos featuring Natalie and right now on the homepage a headshot of her with a button labelled Meet the Presenters, the GTW team page no longer lists any team members, but instead has a vague blurb about volunteers. In 2011, UM established the College of Universal Medicine, whose tagline is a charitable institution. Quote, We define our approach to education based on the teachings of the ageless wisdom as a restoration of true values which brings to life the physical and metaphysical elements that are for everyday learning, advancing our quality of life for individuals and our communities. Most of the college's courses available today are pre-recorded videos that you can pay to watch at your own pace, though there is a course called The Philosophy Series, the lineage of the ageless wisdom that has live lectures for students to attend and is listed as being presented by Professor William Foley, a Brown and University of California graduate who has had teaching and research roles at the Australian National University and the University of Sydney. Other prominent proponents of the teachings are Dr Howard Chilton, a well-known paediatrician and former director of newborn services at the Royal Hospital for Women, whose daughter married Curtis Benhayen. Huffington Post UK-based writer Dragana Brown, and former CEO of Star City Casino in Sydney, Neil Gamble. For our international listeners, yes, that is indeed his name. Dragana Brown wrote an entry on the UM website that includes, quote, Serge Benhayen, the author of Space, the second book in the trilogy Time, Space and All of Us, is indeed a genius. And yet, historically, when a great soul appears and injects the world with ancient wisdom and teachings and the works of many geniuses before him, it is on the whole not only given the respect and honour it so richly deserves, but it is commonly dismissed, rejected and ridiculed too, owing to the fact that in the land of mediocrity, sadly, genius is perceived as a hazard. The simple truth is, we do not like people who do not resemble us. We find his extraordinariness too much to receive or to welcome, and in return the respectable academia starts pulling the strings on alarm bells whilst forming an alliance against the messenger. On the history page of the college's About section, the institution details voluntarily revoking its DGR, or Deductible Gift Recipient, status from the ATO, the Australian Taxation Office, saying that the system wasn't the right fit but maintaining its registration as a charitable organisation with the ACNC, which is the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission. Indeed, the ACNC still lists the colleges registered and operating across Australia, as well as in Canada, France, Germany, the Netherlands, New Zealand, the United Kingdom and the United States, though Esther Rocket details assisting the body with their investigations since 2013. The college listed zero employees, 
seven directors, including a chairperson, though that list hasn't included Surge since 2012, and an estimated 80 volunteers, with total assets over $250,000 at its last information statement submitted to the ACNC in 2018. According to records that later came out in court, the ATO in fact retrospectively stripped the college of its DGR status and refunded over half a million dollars to donors in October 2015, which included $50,000 to Neil Gamble. Josh Robertson wrote in detail about the donors for ABC News Online and quoted $300,000 contributor Stephen Ninnies as saying that if he knew then what he knows now, without any shadow of a doubt, I would have nothing to do with it. Esther Rocket put it this way, quote, The college's charity activities and Ben Hayen's universal medicine commercial activities were barely distinguishable from each other. In other words, the charity promotes Ben Hayen and his business. To this day, it really does nothing but promote an antisocial cult and its associates and their businesses. Charity activities are supposed to benefit the public. If charities operate to benefit private individuals, that is a breach of charity law. And speaking of charities, the UK's Charity Commission gave Unimed-related British charity The Sound Foundation an action plan when it was made aware of potential conflicts of interest and found concerns around the extent of its public benefit activities. The Lighthouse, Universal Medicine's second home after New South Wales, is near Froome in the United Kingdom. Simone Benhayen lives and works there as a director of Universal Medicine UK, a UM practitioner, and also as a swimming teacher, giving the media plenty of opportunity to make jokes about breaststroke. By the way, Serge reckons that Simone was Winston Churchill in a former life. In speaking with David Lisa in 2012, he had an amount of self-awareness about this claim, when asked how he knew that Simone was the reincarnation of Churchill, he said, quote, In the temporal world that does not understand and will not give the time to understand, it sounds ridiculous, and it makes good reading, doesn't it? UM had tried to register its own charity arm in the UK, and Esther Rocket got her hands on an email from January 2010 appealing for testimonials to support the registration. It began, quote, Dear students, as you may be aware, we have been talking to the Charity Commission in the UK about setting up a Universal Medicine Trust, which would be a fantastic next step in establishing the New World Religion. The role of the charity will be to help grow the availability and teaching of the livingness, as well as providing numerous benefits and a safe haven for the work and the many bequests you have kindly offered. End quote. The proposed charity, under the name Way of the Livingness, failed in its attempts to gain charity status in the UK in 2011, with the Commission finding that the organisation didn't classify as a religion in terms of charity law, and that on the evidence provided, public benefit had not been demonstrated. Chris James, a long-time UM devotee heavily involved with the music side of things, then offered up his own dormant charity for UM usage. Chris's Sound Foundation charity, not to be confused with three other UK charities with similar names, raised over £1.8 million, which was used to build Unimed facilities in Froome, including treatment and conference rooms and a swim centre, leased to Simone Benhayen for her business Creative Aquatic. 
In February 2013, the UK's Private Eye magazine reported on a national health service initiative called the Self-Care Forum, promoting universal medicine activities in conjunction with their Self-Care Week. Though upon inquiries from the publication, the UM-related entry was removed from the NHS Forum's website listings. The Sound Foundation's original mission, to advance education in the therapeutic benefits of music, seemed to have morphed somewhat, with a flyer describing the Charitable Foundation's work now as working to support sound health and well-being for all. A follow-up article in Private Eye mentioned that the publication had since received hundreds of letters and emails from UM devotees, some writing in more than four times each. Herbert Kane started a thread on Rick Ross's Cult Education Institute forum pages on the 15th of January 2012, wondering if anyone else had come across universal medicine, as he was concerned about his wife's involvement. Quote, All very scary as she is falling more and more into their control, and her thought patterns slash beliefs are changing beyond recognition. The thread is still going today, and as of writing this episode, sits at 167 pages long. The thread refers to a blog that was once live under cultivation.blogspot and run by a woman named Yvonne, but seems to have been scrubbed from the archives now. A forum user pasted some entries that Yvonne had put together from emails she'd received in researching universal medicine on the 28th of April 2011. Here's one. Julie joined an esoteric meditation group in Bendigo, which led her to UM. It's such a shame. I feel sort of silly. It ended up costing me so much money, which is the really stupid part. But I'm trying not to blame myself. It was a bit of group psychology and the social acceptance that I craved, and a few friends and I have left. We can laugh about it now, but it's worrying how easy it is to get sucked in. In July 2012, the TGA, or Therapeutic Goods Administration, looked into a UM sideline in creams and herbal remedies, and Unimed had to amend its materials to comply with the administration's subsequent directives. Today, an online search of news archives on Serge Benhayen doesn't turn up anything prior to 2012, when the Sun-Herald's Heath Aston released an article entitled Cult Cures on Medicare on the 22nd of July. The article said that the publication had spoken to nine different men who blamed Serge and UM for the breakdown of their marriages, and that at the time there were three complaints to the Healthcare Complaints Commission relating to UM. It detailed the experience of an unnamed woman who had been told after three sessions that she was improving by a UM practitioner on the same day that her GP informed her she had cancer. David Lees's article in The Good Weekend was published the same year, on the 25th of August 2012, and begins with a quote from Serge Benhayen's message for the new era of the 1st of January. I know more than any scientist in my inner heart. I know everything about the universe and how it works. I can answer any question about any mystery in the world, any mystery in the universe. One of the many people David Lees spoke with was Lance Martin. Lance's wife had left him after becoming involved with UM, and he later found emails from Serge encouraging her to do so. 
Esther Rocket also spoke with Lance Martin and numerous others about their experiences. She also spoke with the Reverend Dr. David Millikan, a cult investigator, Christian minister and Uniting Church theologian, who told her that groups without any scrutiny are the most dangerous. So in 2012, she started a blog, which she used to document the various things she uncovered about Serge Benhayen and his teachings. She writes that it was never about persuading members to exit, and much more about outing UM's vile behaviour. It's still very much available online and being updated if anyone wants to have a read, and Esther accepts donations there to support the work that has largely taken over her life. In fact, there were many more articles online around the 2012 mark, and Esther Rocket in her blog details a long and incomplete list of those that got removed from Google search results after complaints of defamation and copyright infringement by UM. As in, the articles are still there, well, some of them are, but you wouldn't be able to find them by a Google search. It's a very interesting insight into the limitations of search results that you might be quite unaware of. When Esther's own blog was removed from the Google search index after UM complaints, she published two new blogs. A Sunday Telegraph article by Jane Hansen in 2015 also details 36 blogs removed from the internet entirely by a firm called Internet Reputation Australia, hired by Surge and UM. The same article details the work that UM did to damage Lance Martin's business as a repercussion for sharing his story. Lance told the journalist, By keyword loading on the business name, they attached these blogs about me, and they do a lot of link sharing on Twitter and Facebook, whoever they are attacking, and then Google starts ranking them higher and higher until it's the first thing that came up when you Googled my business. The blogs intimated I was an abusive husband, which is contrary to the facts. Lance Martin's blog details how the avalanche of coverage in 2012 was framed within UM as being the result of a campaign against Surge by a group of abusive men from the Bangalore pub, led by him, but says that really the timing was coincidental and that the interest had come from the initial complaint to the Therapeutic Goods Administration. In response to the posts on the Rick Ross Forum and to Esther Rocket's blog, Universal Medicine set up a number of blogs and websites of their own. Students were told that writing for and commenting on these blogs could constitute part of their acts of service, which counted towards improving one's initiation rank. Students were also discouraged from visiting Esther's blog, as this would help her Google rankings, and the various UM-created pages were to help improve search results when the terms Universal Medicine or Serge Benhayen were used, so that anything critical sank further down the page rankings. In another testament to UM's SEO savviness, that's search engine optimization for those of you not in marketing, they also bought the domain acupuncturebyronbay.com and used it to steer people away from Esther's own business. That website is now defunct. In October of 2012, the Reverend Dr. David Millikan took a television camera crew to a UM seminar on esoteric medicine at Lennox Head. He spoke to the audience about his concerns that they were in a cult. I've heard that this approach resulted mainly in getting the group to bond more tightly together in response to the perceived attack. From a blog post by UM student Sue Kira, quote, This is not just about challenging the false accusations being hurled at universal medicine. It is about the behaviour of a man who professes to be a man of God, 
treating us like a bunch of naughty children who needed to be punished for what we are unsure. It is clear that this man and the others that came with him had an agenda to sensationalise a story that was paid for by a well-known television network and to have fodder for their own personal gain. In contrast to this, a UM detractor posting under the name Richard commented on Esther Rocket's blog to point out that many had tried to ask questions on Unimed sites and share their own differing experiences, but that their submissions were never approved. Richard said that the media perspective, far from having a one-sided agenda, was held to standards that Serge's own communication channels were not. Esther Rocket was given the names Darkly Venus and Pranic Princess by Serge for her efforts. She recorded one student's notes from a 2012 esoteric women's presentation in Somerset in the UK that stated, quote, Serge then came on stage and said that the energy of a tampon in our body is like having sex with the dirtiest guy you know all the way through your period. Another student's notes from an esoteric development group talk, again recorded on Esther's blog, detail how Serge said that if a rapist, even after being jailed, doesn't come to understand that what they've done is wrong, then in their next life they will experience being raped so that at the end of that life they can say, I could never rape anyone. Sounds like a pretty vicious and victim-blaming cycle to me. One UM modalities training manual includes a treatment purporting to be useful in cases of sexual assault. As Esther told Matt Duran for Channel 7's Sunday Night program, if Serge was a registered health professional and he touched somebody's pubic area and called it a healing for rape recovery, he would be deregistered. Esther published an open letter to Serge from a man going under the handle HDIH, standing for How Does It Happen?, on her blog on the 17th of December 2012. Here's an edited excerpt. Dear Serge, I've never met you, yet I feel compelled to write a letter to you letting you know of the influence you have had on my life. I have attended a webcast of you speaking, and I have had three appointments with practitioners who are affiliated with your EPA. The influence you have had on my life doesn't come from any of those instances. It comes from the changes your teachings have made to my partner. I have watched her change from a strong, confident and loving person to a shadow of her former self. My partner and I have been together for over a decade. We have enjoyed a beautiful relationship that has recently produced a child. I'm not saying our relationship has ever been perfect, but we have always been able to work together through love to ensure that our relationship overcame any issues. A few years ago, something happened to my partner that had a profoundly negative impact on her and she started to see a practitioner quite closely affiliated to you. To begin with, I had no real issues with what my partner was starting to believe in. I was actually quite interested in some of the ideas for a while. However, over time I began to notice a few worrying things. My partner and some family members quite suddenly were unable to make any decisions without consulting their esoteric practitioner. I have witnessed the complete destruction of their self-esteem and confidence. I recognise this as a direct goal of yours, and I can't help but be impressed at the ease of which you achieve it. One of the effects of your work that I find most distressing is the fear and anxiety I see in my partner. I see it in your followers in general, so I know it isn't unique to my loved one. I see the anxiety she has around food. Good, nutritious food causes fear in her. It disgusts me that something so integral to her well-being could now cause her such stress, 
I see her fear of me living an ordinary life and bringing that ordinary life into our home. How is a relationship supposed to survive when one of the members believes that their partner drains her kidney energy and brings evil entities to feed off her and her child? It's truly diabolical. I could almost forgive you for the changes I've seen in my partner, and I really have only mentioned a couple of the numerous detrimental effects you've had on her. I could almost forgive you for the effect that you've indirectly had on my life. My partner and I are both adults, and no one person can be completely to blame for the decisions and actions of another. I can never and will never forgive you for the influence you have had on my beautiful little daughter. You have managed to cause tension and fear in her home. You have turned her mother into a person filled with fear and anxiety. You have negatively altered her upbringing in ways that I can only watch and attempt to mitigate. I would like to ask you if all of this is a direct goal of yours, or if we are all collateral damage in your quest for more money and power. I would like to ask you quite a few things, but I am well aware that you won't reply. I know enough about you to know that you'll ignore all of this. This to you is an inconvenient truth. It does not serve your interests to realise the pain you cause. It does not serve your interests to acknowledge the lives you ruin. Perhaps you actually lack the cognitive ability to understand the effects of your greed. I will continue to love my partner and do what I can to ensure that my loved ones are able to prosper. I will do this with the hope that one day you will crumble under your lies and deception. Maybe then our lives can return to being full of real joy and real happiness. HDIH. In the UK, actor Robin Clifford attended a session with his wife and decided that Serge Benhayen was a con man. He described feelings of disbelief that anyone could take the content of the induction seriously when he spoke to Matt Duran for Sunday night. Robin's wife Anita became heavily involved and their 17-year marriage broke down five years later. They divorced in 2014. Now he and their daughter Kasha feel that Anita is not the same person that she was a decade ago. Former student Matt Sutherland spoke to Jane Hansen for the Sunday Telegraph in 2014 and told her he'd spent around $15,000 on treatments and retreats, all paid in cash. He said that Serge, quote, totally controlled every aspect of our lives. What we ate, who we saw, we were only allowed to listen to music produced by the glorious music label. He told us how to have sex. Basically, he controls what everyone does. Esther Rocket's analysis is that, quote, esoteric healing is designed to bring you closer to death. That's why you'll never see anything remotely positive in Ben Hayen's writings about being alive, enjoying this life and staying healthy in your current body. Rather, esoteric medicine is a series of prohibitions on most things healthy. Food, sport, exercise, the outdoors, emotional connection, altruism, music and sex. It's all designed to help you clock out of this life because you've been sold on the promise of something better in the next. From Serge's Esoteric Teachings and Revelations book, quote, Since there is no such thing as death in the sense that life ends for good, those who perish are only clearing slash discarding and moving on to clearer, more lovable bodies, next incarnation. Unfortunately, if you leave your money behind after death to do work that is energetically pleasing, this will also benefit you for your next life. But don't think about putting any conditions on bequests to UM. From some 2008 student notes recorded on Esther's blog, 
If you leave a will to Unimed and you put a lineal condition that it be used to fund those who can't afford the courses, then that is pranic. Putting a lineal condition on a spherical nature, not trusting people will know how to best use it. There's an entry on Esther's blog that details the experiences of a German student who twice ended up admitted to mental health clinics with psychosis and was later diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. She says that she returned to sanity after finding out that none of the awful consequences she'd been told about leaving had come about and discovering that it actually felt liberating to live a normal pranic life again. There are other disturbing allegations around inappropriate behaviour with underage girls, and Esther's blog includes a note about a young woman who had stayed in the Benhayen family house around the same time that Miranda had moved in, who said that Serge didn't allow for the bathroom door to be closed when she showered. Images from a Sacred Esoteric Healing Advanced Level 1 workshop manual show male hands pressed upon the chest of a young woman of unknown age, quote, applying father energy and another with the same hand pressed between her buttocks over a pair of jeans under a heading, Transmuting Sadness, with a note that the sacrum is the storehouse of sadness from the heart. Esther writes under a mission page on the Universal Medicine Accountability blog that she'd had contact with what could now be over 200 families and individuals confirming adverse effects of UM. On that same page, she says that she and her colleagues would like more meaningful action from the New South Wales Healthcare Complaints Commission, the ACNC, the ATO, the Office of Fair Trading and FACS, Family and Community Services and the Office of the Children's Guardian. She says there would have been more action taken were those affected not scared of retaliation for speaking out, which remains true of those I've spoken to as well. In 2014, Judith McIntyre passed away from breast cancer. She had become a UM devotee in the lead-up to her death, and her daughter later released emails between Judith and Serge about her will, in which he had told her that her children were trying to evoke her sympathy in, quote, an attack on the funds that will help the hierarchies work on earth. Prior to her death, Judith gave $800,000 to UM for building their Hall of Ageless Wisdom, and then left the bulk of her estate to Serge's organisation. Judith's children, Sarah and Seth, attempted to use the emails to contest the will, but a judge ruled them inadmissible due to the way in which they had been accessed. Instead, he watched a video that Judith had made two months before she died, and Justice James Stevenson said, quote, No one watching that video could fail to see the state of peace and serenity with which the deceased faced her passing. The evidence points strongly to the conclusion that the deceased attributed that state of being to the teachings of Mr. Benhayen. Also in 2014, an inquiry into the promotion of false and misleading health-related information and practices was conducted by the Healthcare Complaints Commission. In this inquiry, Jane Hansen for the Sunday Telegraph quoted a submission from Dr. John Dwyer and the Friends of Science in Medicine. The practitioners say they have the power to talk to a woman's ovaries and learn about that, and they explain that all illnesses are due to past misdeeds in previous incarnations of your life. 
Jane Hansen first wrote about surge and universal medicine in June 2014 and soon found that following the publication of her articles, if you googled Jane Hansen journalist, the first hit was now a hate blog from UM. I ran that same Google search and Unimed results have dropped down the rankings, but a blog post called Journalist Jane Hansen Attacks Community still shows on the front page. If you click through now, though, you get a message that says the content of this blog is currently offline while its content is being reviewed. In a 2015 article, Jane Hansen included a response from Serge himself with the words, quote, Exposing credibility is the right of every human being when lies are being written about one's business and them as a person along with many others who are targeted. One of the websites started by Universal Medicine Associates has the heading Universal Medicine Exposed and its entries now date back to September 2016. It has glowing testimonials and profiles of various students talking about the incredible things they have gained from the teachings. There are listings of the men and the women, though I'm told not all of those listed are still involved. The men's page has a subheading, Strong, Tender, Gentle, while the women's one has, and you'll have to imagine my face as I say this, Powerful, Sexy, Sassy, Delicate. A profile of Natalie Benhayen includes some more very lengthy sentences. Quote, I have often been described as being worldly beyond her years, and that's true. I have become known and respected as a living inspiration to women and men of all ages. This was never a planned idea, but organically has developed and is now a responsibility I wholeheartedly carry every day. If I was to ask what is unique about me that has brought this position of role model and inspiration to so many at what might be considered at such a young age, I would say it is in part due to the fact that I am comfortable in my own skin and with certainty know all that I have to offer without fear to show it to the world a message I deliver to any and all that I meet that they too are equally capable of such a living way. End quote. Natalie Benhayen is self-described as a sex bomb who is single by choice. At one point, I'm told that one of her endeavours was known internally as Natalie TV and students stumped up $125,000 towards its creation. But Natalie TV never happened and some began to wonder what became of their donations. Serge describes himself as a man of the greatest integrity and transparency, but it's not a question they managed to get any clear answers for. Natalie and Simone Benhayen's work is highly lauded within the organisation, while Serge and Deborah's sons, Michael and Curtis, don't seem to get quite as much high praise. They are both esoteric healing practitioners, and as mentioned earlier, Michael is involved on the musical side of things, but I've heard them also described as baby-making machines, apparently working hardest to carry on the Benhayen name. By 2015, the Lighthouse Property Estates in the UK had £2.7 million in shares, with Simon Williams' stake being just under £1 million. Antonia Hoyle for the Daily Mail reports that today's shares are worth nearly £3.5 million, that's over $4.3 million US and over $6.3 million AU, most being held by a company registered in the Channel Islands, well known as a tax haven. For many years, Audis were considered to be the only car that's correctly energetically balanced, so Audis were all the Benhayans and many UM students would drive. But these days, Porsches are okay too.
A few other incidents worth knowing about include the following. Care plans from FACS, the New South Wales Government's Family and Community Services Department, for two girls in out-of-home care in May 2016, included directions that they maintain their connection with the teachings of universal medicine. What this means is that the government made their carers responsible for maintaining access to the teachings for each girl and facilitating one's attendance of the Girl to Woman Festival. UM practitioner and respiratory physician Dr Samuel Taiku Kim was reprimanded by the Medical Council of New South Wales in 2017 after he told a patient that deep-seated grief is a major factor driving lung disease and referred her to a UM student for hormone replacement therapy, another for esoteric chakra puncture, his wife and UM practitioner Jasna Yugovic for esoteric lung massage and for a consultation with Serge Benhayen himself. He was required to obtain a second opinion before referring any other patients for alternative therapies. Then in 2018, the same doctor stood down from the Australian Medical Association after the ABC revealed that Dr Kim had shared a patient's medical records with Serge Benhayen. Journalist Josh Robertson, who reported on both incidents for The Guardian and the ABC, also wrote in 2018 about three University of Queensland researchers linked to universal medicine – and the university launching an academic misconduct probe due to research publications advocating the teachings. Josh Robertson also detailed in one of the articles a man's distress at finding his own schizophrenia diagnosis published on a UM website, and the journalist interviewed former Queensland Mental Health Commissioner Leslie Van Shubrook, who said it was, quote, "...entirely inappropriate for any organisation, particularly one purporting to be a health organisation, to publicly reveal identifying information of anyone's diagnosis, be it mental health or physical health." In late 2015, Serge Benhayen sued Esther Rocket for defamation over a 2014 blog post and some tweets. Australian defamation law is notorious, and journalist Richard Ackland for The Guardian called ours the most media-hostile laws in the common law world. Esther's lawyers offered a settlement in February 2016, but Serge declined the terms. Defending the case was a huge undertaking, and Esther had to declare herself bankrupt. Though as in other cases we've looked at, she managed to seize some opportunity in subpoenaing documents for her own defence, finding out further details about UM operations that she may have only suspected before. I'm told that Serge appealed to UM students to financially support the court case, even though he had initiated it himself, and it came out in court that his taxable income in 2016 was over $188,000. His wife Miranda's was $176,000, his daughter Natalie's was over $129,000, and his son Michael's around $100,000, with another $400,000 going into a company. Serge's ex-wife Deborah also earned a salary from the business, and their son Curtis and his wife received smaller sums too. Serge told the court that he preferred the term contributions over donations when referring to extra money given by his students. Quote, I consider if a person uses their own volition to give some money, that's a contribution. 
Josh Robertson for the ABC conducted property searches that found the Benhayan family had bought and sold over 20 properties worth over $11 million in the years since Surge launched Unimed, of which he owned a number jointly with devotees. In 2017, while the proceedings were slowly progressing their way through the legal system, New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian presented a New South Wales Government Community Services Award to Deborah Benhayan for her contributions to the Northern Rivers community. Esther Rockett's father passed away in August of 2017, and she wrote to Serge Benhayan's legal team to request a pause on correspondence while she was going through this difficult period. On the day of his funeral, she received a 31-page letter from Universal Law, which included personal insults about her character and professionalism. Paula Fletcher of Universal Law is the mother of Emily Benhayan, once married to Michael Benhayan, but claims that Universal Law, in spite of its name, is completely independent of Universal Medicine. Universal Law's motto is Integrity and Light in Latin. One of the blogs that popped up in 2012 is called The Truth About Universal Medicine and is written by students of UM. A post from the 15th of September 2018 by accredited mental health social worker Helen Giles begins, quote, There are not many people who can say they have positively touched thousands of people's lives around the world, but Serge Benhayen definitely has a right to make that claim. He has presented an absolute depth of wisdom to people worldwide over the past 20 years that, even when put to every test imaginable, can't be faulted. Meanwhile, Esther Rocket had found a legal team to work pro bono on the case for her. In September 2018, Serge testified in the New South Wales Supreme Court and spoke of his past lives. He also told the court that he could sense spirits in the courtroom, particularly around Esther's barrister Tom Mollenby. During the proceedings, the jury also heard that Serge taught students their next life could be affected if their offspring misspent money left to them by inheritance. Serge's barrister told the jury that universal medicine was not a cult, that there were only a handful of people claiming they'd been harmed by it, and that any marriage breakups were just life taking its course. In December 2018, the jury found in Esther Rocket's favour. I was given a copy of the jury questions from the 3rd of October 2018, and there are a total of 181 questions, many with multiple parts, that the jury had to answer yes or no to in coming to their decision. It's a pretty overwhelming document. The jury found, amongst many points, that Serge is the leader of a socially harmful cult, that he persuaded followers to shun loved ones who won't join his cult, He, as the leader of universal medicine, exploits the followers of that group through his false and harmful teachings. He dishonestly promotes fraudulent ideas of karma for self-gain. That universal medicine, to his knowledge, preys on cancer patients. That he swindles cancer patients, engages in inappropriate conduct towards women, had intentionally, indecently touched a number of his clients in his treatment room has an indecent interest in young girls as young as 10, whom he causes to stay at his house unaccompanied, has a propensity to touch girls inappropriately, is guilty of inappropriate behaviour with children, is not a fit person to hold a working with children certificate, he vilifies people with disabilities, 
he is a hypocrite because his esoteric healing has death as its goal, and he is a charlatan who makes fraudulent medical claims. Judith McIntyre, whose children had tried and failed to contest her will, came up in one of the imputations, and the jury found that Serge used undue influence over her in getting her to leave UM most of her estate. Deborah Van Hayen stepped down as president of the Lismore Chamber of Commerce at an extraordinary general meeting on the 29th of October 2018, and four more of the nine-person board stepped down alongside her. These included UM devotee Ray Karam, who had once stood for Mayor of Ballinashire Council and this year stood as an independent in the federal election for the seat of Richmond. Local Byron Bay publication Echonet Daily published an article fairly critical of Deborah and the other board members' exit, mostly focused on an unnamed interviewee praising Deborah's performance in the role, though Lance Martin commented on the article that, quote, UM won the Business of the Year three years in a row and Deborah oversaw an inaugural Hall of Fame that they were inducted into. Let's say that was all coincidental. This is not how the community saw it. Also in October 2018, local Northern Rivers publication The Northern Star dropped Serge Benhayen from their 70 Most Influential People list, stating that the panel was wrong to include him in the first place and that they wanted to replace him with someone more deserving. In February 2019, Serge Benhayen was ordered to pay Esther Rockett's legal fees on an indemnity basis, and in June 2019, Judge Julia Lonergan also referred Paula Fletcher from Serge's legal team at Universal Law to the Office of the Legal Services Commissioner for a review of her potentially bullying and harassing behaviour as a result of correspondence she sent to Esther around the death of her father in August 2017. Esther's legal costs were estimated by the Sydney Morning Herald to exceed $1 million. Until September 2020, there is a notice on the front page of the Universal Medicine website that reads as follows. To the reader... In response to legal letters issued by solicitors acting for Esther Mary Rocket, an article that appeared in the blog section of this website has been removed. As at 9 September 2019, the parties have reached a settlement agreement, and as part of the agreed terms, the following notice will appear at this URL for a period of 12 months in 12-point font. Correction and apology to Esther Rocket. In 2016, an article was published about Esther Rocket on the Universal Medicine website, universalmedicine.com.au. The Universal Medicine website is registered in the name of Serge Benhayen. Serge Benhayen unconditionally withdraws any allegations in this article that Ms Rocket had knowingly made false accusations against him and his business, Universal Medicine, that her complaints were baseless, that she was a liar, that she was a bully or troll who had engaged in a campaign of cyber abuse, that she had conducted a campaign of hate and published hate material about universal medicine, and that she had engaged in a campaign of religious persecution. Serge Benhayen unreservedly apologises to Ms Rocket for any hurt and offence caused by the article and has now removed the article from publication. Esther told the Northern Star, quote, In my opinion, UM did not satisfactorily address any of the concerns we raised about their operations and behaviours. 
the retraction of the allegations made against me may be the closest thing we get to UM making any public acknowledgement of the court's findings of fact. In terms of where universal medicine is at today, while devotees were once said to number in the thousands, mostly based in Australia, with smaller followings in the UK and Germany, a 2016 email leaked to Esther mentioned a student body of under 600. Certainly Serge's Facebook page only has 366 followers, and the Verified Universal Medicine page has just under 1,600 likes. On the 21st of August 2019, MP Janelle Safin, local member for Lismore, spoke in the New South Wales Legislative Assembly, calling for a judicial inquiry into universal medicine. She said, quote, It is a cult that has a senior employee in one of our government departments who has decision-making power about children and actively recruits other workers, and, quote, I have also been informed that some government departments use the Universal Medicine Cult Associated Practitioners in their Employee Assistance Program, EAP. Its harmful impacts must be brought to light, including its bogus and harmful pseudo-health and healing practices. I speak out on behalf of my community seeking government action. We need an inquiry and we need it as soon as possible. I make the request and say, over to you, Attorney General and Ministers. Thank you. access ad-free episodes and support the production of this independent podcast via Patreon, patreon.com slash ltaspod. This episode of Let's Talk About Sects was written and researched by me, Sarah Steele. Music was by Joe Gould, whose incredible band, The Crooked Fiddle Band, have a new album out called Another Subtle Atom Bomb, which I highly recommend you check out. They're also touring Australia right now, and their live show is mind-blowing. Information sources are listed on our website at ltaspod.com. Thanks again to Audio-Technica, presenting partner for Season 3 of Let's Talk About Sects. If you're in the market for some top-quality audio equipment, be sure to head over to audio-technica.com.au to check out some of their stuff. Their range of earphones and headphones is quite ridiculous, from sport to gaming to professional studio, and they're known for some of the best sound around. If you have been personally affected by involvement in a cult, or would like to support those who have been, you can find support or donate to Cult Information and Family Support if you're in Australia via www.cifs.org.au and you can find resources outside of Australia with the International Cultic Studies Association via www.icsahome.com. Thanks for listening and hope you'll join me again next month. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.